welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journeys. I'm very pleased today to welcome Rebecca Massasak to the podcast. Ms. Massasak is CEO of TechSoup, a non-profit international network of NGOs that provide technical support and technological tools to other non-profits and social benefit organizations. Ms. Massasak joined TechSoup in 2001 to launch its e-commerce donation platform, moving the organization from a local San Francisco Bay Area focus to a national reach. And in 2006, she founded the TechSoup Global Network to scale the program's impact globally. So thank you very much, Rebecca, for joining me today on Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs. I'm very th- grateful for the opportunity. Wonderful. So TechSoup, um, a very interesting organization and uh, done a lot of, of work uh, and, 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 and immense impact. Can you talk a little bit about uh, where, where the original idea came from and, and what you do at TechSoup, Rebecca? Sure. Uh, so the original idea for TechSoup came from our founder, Daniel Ben-Horan, uh, who was very engaged in kind of the first true online community, the Well, uh, in mm. the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. And Daniel had been a journalist by background. And um, in getting engaged in the Well, he was you know, very um, interested in uh, community activism and noticed that there were these kind of technical people who had this um, sort of uh, culture of wanting to engage and give back, but uh, they didn't necessarily connect with social activists and nonprofit uh, folks. And so he he saw that as an opportunity to help people mentor who knew something about the technology with his social activist friends who needed the help, you know, as as the PC became popular and so forth. Um, So that's really where the roots of the organization came from. Uh, Daniel wasn't so much a technologist as a social activist, but um, we saw the, the benefit of, um, you know, a stronger uh, technology skill set and capacity within the sector. Right, right. Now, clearly, um, there, there, there are uh, all kinds of technologies <laughs> that, that we're all, we're embedded in so many technologies today, um, even, even just people using their computer at home. How do you define where, the, you know, exactly the kind of technological solution you provide and what kind of organizations are you focused on delivering to? Well, we're, we're focused on um, helping a wide range of organizations. You know, there are more than 12 million um, nonprofit social benefit organizations in the universe. And um, really, they, they all uh, can benefit from uh, more capacity to use technology, to access it uh, for their work. It's not about the technology itself. So it's not that we focus on any one kind of technology. In fact, often we're focused not just on software or hardware, but, but also on skills for how do you uh, how do you do digital storytelling, for example, or how do you more effectively, um, you know, do fundraising and outreach? So we're, we're focused on um, ways that technology enable that. And we work across a wide spectrum of technology that keeps evolving and changing, frankly, because as you're well aware, there's a lot of disruption going on in the space. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, what kind of organizations then, uh, geographical focus and scale and kind of structure mostly are you dealing with? 
Well, we've reached about a million nonprofit organizations. Um, we, we serve um, 236 countries and territories. Uh, so everything that's, that's other than the, the U.S. embargoed countries. Um, and, and obviously, in some countries, we've only served a few organizations. And in other company, countries, we've served, you know, hundreds of thousands. Uh, but what we have, uh, we try to make uh, as much choice available to as many organizations as possible. And it really spans everything you can think of in terms of mission type. Uh, the largest category of uh, organizations who are served through TechSoup are uh, working in the area of poverty alleviation, for example, but um, we're, we're serving, you know, climate organizations and, uh, you know, libraries and churches and, and lots of uh, religious institutions and so forth. So it, it's across a wide spectrum of mission areas. Right, right, and 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 with such a wide group of of organisations, presumably they've got uh, myriad different needs. Um, are, are there a few key central kinds of issues that that these kind of organisations are dealing with that you help with? Well, there there are, but you know, it sort of divides kind of broadly into things that are, let's say, back office, like inside the organization, productivity tools and uh, financial systems and things like that. But then also, increasingly, it's about what's happening in, with your beneficiaries and and program areas uh, to deliver your services, you know, to the community. So that might be field staff being able to. Um, enter data, you know, into a mobile application uh, that's going into um, cloud-based software, for example, um, or doing things like podcasts and, you know, other other uh, things that you need to present out to the world through a website or through um, other people's websites to in order for people to learn about your services and access them. So it, it's sort of a really a wide spectrum of things that way. And anything where there's a digital strategy that will help them uh, have greater impact uh, can often be enabled by uh, technology, but you know these days there's also just a need for better security, and there's a need to comply, and you need to do what you need to do not just for financial compliance, but also for uh, fundraisers and and what you track for impact measurement and things like that. Right now, the number of organisations you've dealt with is is quite uh, mind-boggling. How, how how have you done that? How have you built that kind of scale? And what's your business model? Well, our, our uh, I'll talk, I'll talk about them kind of separately there. Um, from, a, from a scale point of view, you know, we, we've got sort of a couple of parts of our, our secret sauce, if you will. One is that we've used technology ourselves as an as a enabling platform. You know, everything from uh, the, the World Wide Web to, uh, you know, the e-commerce kinds of uh, technologies. And now, you know, more more modern versions of a marketplace is, is part of what we're working towards. Um, but that enables uh, people who have something to give, in this case, more than 100 corporations um, and foundations who, who want to reach organizations for uh, cash grant making um, and many other resource providers who are willing to do offers for charities, everything from rental cars to uh, social impact experiences on Airbnb, for example, uh, to, to use this platform to connect to those million organizations that are in our database and for those organizations to come in and look for what they need in order to really build a solution. Um, so that's how the technology enables it. In terms of working around the world, we do that through something that's called the TechSoup Global Network. Um, and that network is really a group of 70 uh, like-minded but yet diverse uh, nonprofit organizations who share this common uh, set of values and mission around technology, but who 
know their their local environment best, um, who uh, you know who understand what kind of work is going on, what is needed, who is a valid organization, and uh, and how to best you know connect them to these resources and build local programming around that, as well as local relationships with technology companies or experts who can can also bring advice. Um, and so that's the way that we work around the the globe. And each of those network members also does a number of things that are very relevant and interesting to build capacity in their local environments that go beyond what they do uh, specifically with TechSoup itself. Right, right. And, and how does that work then if you're a, um, an organization in Africa in, in, in uh, uh, dealing with uh, poverty alleviation and you've heard that you, you know you know you you're, you need to get your technology together that you've got you know there's some issues you have but maybe you're, you're trying to grow a little bit or, or, or just your technology is not working how would they uh, hear about TechSoup how would they how would they interact with TechSoup and how would that relationship evolve well, they, they might hear about um, the local TechSoup partner in, in any number of ways. It might be at a, a gathering, an event, you know, a conference, or it might be just at a specially hosted event that we would run around a specific topic, say, for example, Microsoft's cloud offers or, or something like this uh, for charities. And um, wherever they connected like that and would learn about this resource platform, they would, could then, um, you know, go to that website and look in our catalog to understand uh, once you register at TechSoup, you know, sort of what the process is, because part of what we do is to um, validate their charitable status against the local laws and so forth. So in the U.S., that would be 501c3 status or uh, status as a library uh, for some of the other types of organizations we serve. Um, and then there would be a version of that that's happening in each country. And from there, they would be able to, you know, connect with all of the resources available from um, any provider, um, read more about them, learn about them, but also find online training resources, um, webinars, uh, other events, or, or the opportunity to interact with other organizations who might be doing similar work or looking for similar um, solutions, trying to solve similar problems with technology. Uh, so these are all things that could happen you know, either online or offline. Do they drive that process in the sense that they you go on a website, start to look around? Do they get, a, a, you know, I, I guess a relationship manager or someone who uh, will help them, I guess, understand the kinds of issues they're facing or, they, or, or you know, the way in which you can deal with those issues? Uh, you're an intermediary and there are a lot of organizations you work with on both sides, organizations that have needs and organizations that are there to provide. Can you talk a little bit about that, the way that works? Uh, yes, so um, it's a, it, we're always trying to do things in a way that is very local, locally relevant and helpful, meaning in your time zone language, there's a human being you can speak to, um, but we're also doing things at scale. So um, if we develop some you know, excellent training around uh, using you know, Google Analytics uh, online, there isn't any reason that training can't be used everywhere, you know, across 200 uh, countries. Um, and it can be localized into to language uh, as well. So we're always using that kind of uh, mix of, of the best of global shared around the world locally and then the localization where localization is helpful. And so we have, you know, customer service staff and we have um, people who are available to help with 
questions either about our process or, or with, um, you know, questions more specifically about offers or technology. And we have a lot of online resources and so forth. So that, that is something that um, we and this, this network of, of partners, you know, provide uh, for people to connect. And I think that answers the question that you were asking. There. Yes, yes. And what's the scale of your activity? I, I mean, within uh, the size of your organization, how many people do you have? And what, what, what are the, what's the best way to, to give it a, a represent that? Well, uh, maybe just to talk uh, people for a moment, um, uh, TechSoup has about 200 um, people, and our network has another, uh, say, equivalent of about 100 people um, who are focused on these activities and supporting them. And as I say, we do a number of things, this kind of online catalog and process for a nonprofit to become a member and to um, take advantage of a host of, of resources. Um, is supported by that as well as other grant activity and things that we do that are related but not directly uh, about supporting that, um, you know, kind of e-commerce platform part of our, our work. Um, so perhaps that gives a size of scale. It, every year we will work with, um, through that, that uh, catalog of offerings, about 160,000 organizations, um, again, spanning um, all sizes and all, all mission types. We have Probably 80% of the organizations who come to TechSoup for resources have an annual budget in U.S. dollars of less than $2 million a year. Uh, so there are, there are a lot of small ones, but we also work with the, the larger uh, global organizations as well. Um, you, you asked earlier about our business model, so it might be yes, um, yes. <laughs> that a little bit. Um, so we are a social enterprise. We, we are a nonprofit organization, and we do have, um, in addition to the U.S., original organization, so to speak, the 501c3, we have created um, organizations uh, in, a, in a few other places and have centers in, on each continent, so to speak. But we um, have a, a UK registered charity and a Polish foundation uh, that support a lot of that activity that we do through partnerships, as I mentioned in, in the network. Um, and uh, our business model is that we have historically uh, been able to work with corporations to really have them effectively outsource the mechanics of their technology product donations, so their software licensing or, or hardware. Uh, but they were willing to, to give and willing to give quite generously, but it was often difficult for them to manage the inside parts of that, you know, whether it was fulfillment or outreach or even kind of knowing who uh, how to figure out whether an organization was eligible according to the standards that they wanted to set. And um, we, we effectively built a way of doing that and, and doing it once in the sense of we're, we're um, asking the organization to provide information and we're uh, classifying them, so to speak, in terms of them being a valid and, and good standing organization and also collecting their budget information and their uh, mission type. And then that's able to be leveraged and used across any donor's offers. So we have hundreds of offers uh, from more than 100 corporations and even the global network adds many more local offers, you know, country by country since things like uh, finance and accounting software differ, you know, in different places. Um, and so that business model is the organizations are paying a small fee, which amounts to spending something like, um, on average, the equivalent of 250 US dollars a year to get four or $5,000 worth of new and fully supported technology. Wow. Uh, 
That's Hi. yes, yeah, and for the for the corporate donors, I, maybe that's not the best way of describing them. But um, so they, they are tech, technology companies for the, for the for the most part, I suppose that that have um, technology products that would that and technology services that would be helpful. I guess some of them might 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 be you know um, uh, working in a commercial context, but also uh, realize that what they have could be very helpful for nonprofits and NGOs and so forth. Um, and can you talk a little bit about how, how that works and how that's grown? Yes, and we do call them corporate donors because that's uh, kind of historically how most of those relationships started. Um, and uh, many of them do fully donate their products. They do allow us to charge an administrative fee for the, the processing and the, the kind of making things available to support uh, this service. But we also, part of the mix there is that we're reinvesting those administrative fees in the creation of additional content and, you know, educational resources and um, events and things like that. So that's sort of what the virtuous um, circle is there. Um, the, the donors, the, the technology companies um, have, have also been evolving as their business models have evolved. And, you know, we've moved into a cloud-first universe uh, and the the cost structure and so forth for offering software to the world has changed. The way people consume it, it's more of a pay as you go, and it's a it's a um, there's a there's an a actual cost of goods uh, you know to the corporate donors. So they they have tended to move into models that are kind of a mix of if you will sales and philanthropy. Um, they're still doing special offers that are for charities, but but in some cases it may not be always 100% donated, but it may be uh, a mix of very um, significant discounting, let's say, that is is fulfilled and um, used by uh, you know their their uh, same channels that they're they're working with for their uh, customers, regular sales customers. So that's part of the evolution that's happening. And it is it it has a lot of benefits to um, nonprofit organizations, but it it changes the the way that they need to um, you know engage with and consume, and it changes the way the the corporate donors want to and need to do their their offers for charities. And so that's part of the evolution that we as an intermediary are in the middle of. Absolutely. Now you mentioned the the the, the scale of the number of organizations you're working with. Clearly. Um, the kind of margins you're talking about, the sums of money, scale is is important. And scale is such an important issue, really, in the whole sector, isn't it? Can you talk about how you thought about scale and, and how you've gone about really reaching this kind of scale and how important that is at the heart of what you do? Well, I think it's critical, and I think it is a very difficult thing in, in the sector. And, you know, when you read the literature about the nonprofit sector, you discover that it's difficult for a lot of things to go beyond a certain scale. Um, just typically there's no capital market for it and, and uh, you know, other factors make it difficult. Um, but I think that when the way that I originally thought about it, uh, I, I came to this organization 17 years ago. Um, they had a really um, great idea that they saw the possibilities for, which was to go from mostly offering um, these types of um, yeah, the support around technology and these these offers to uh, well-vetted organizations, uh, they were mostly doing it in the Bay Area, starting to see some national interest, but realizing that in order to scale it, they needed uh, a technology platform and, uh, you know, really had to kind of uh, invent new ways of doing that. And they they realized that they didn't have those skills requisite, you know, at the organization. That, that were, So they they did some key hires, and, and I was one of those people who came in to really launch that um, 
scaled version of the program. And at that time, it really wasn't an international focus. It was simply a national focus. And, um, and I, I, was, I came sort of thinking I would come for six months and launch that and then go back to my, my regular job. And as I said, I'm here a long time. And um, it's been an amazing place to be. And what really happened in those early days was I had Canadian organizations calling me saying, we need this too. <clears throat> At that time, it was um, FileMaker, and you know they were, yes. and, and and I and I knew that the people at FileMaker were very willing to donate to Canada, but yep. you know we didn't we didn't have the ability to do this was physical product at that time, yes, so yes. the ability to do you know handle that from an import export or taxation point of view, or even to know who was a legitimate uh, Canadian organization. Those were difficult problems, but I also said to myself, as this kind of we got those requests for Serbia and for for other countries from some of the donors, I realized that you know leveraging all the investment that had already gone into this U.S.-based platform was the most uh, effective and efficient way to scale it. So we we saw the potential there, but but we had to put together a model. You know, part of that was the network model um, that would would allow that to really scale around the world. And so that, that is how we thought about scale initially. And it's, it's absolutely critical if you want to keep the costs really low and make it affordable and have specific uh, nonprofit solutions because there's, there's not an economic, we can use economic principles here to manage this social enterprise, but there is not uh, going to be a, it's not a market in the sense of there would be enough return to really do this at this scale. So it has to be a mix of uh, social enterprise and, and, and grant support as well. Yes, I talk a little bit about that. That's uh, I, running a, a nonprofit is challenging. Uh, running a social enterprise is challenging. Uh, bringing them both together, uh, you've got an operating structure which I understand does that. You talk a little bit about what that means in organization, what are some of the challenges, and I guess, as you also point to, what does it allow you to do? Uh, well, I, I say that you know, one of the things that is um, very interesting about doing this work um, as a person who who came in, um, in a way, I was almost an accidental business person. You know, I kind of wanted to be a teacher growing up and somehow found myself without the ability to get a teaching position and, and all of a sudden in, you know, small business and uh, a venture-backed startup and, you know, all kind of environments that sort of took me in that direction. But when I came here, I, you know, I've always had a very, I've kind of been, been described as a person who, you know, cares beyond reasonable amounts of caring. Um, and <clears throat> so I, I always had an orientation to uh, people and problem solving and kind of, you know, trying to understand how to, how to um, apply ideas to, to make something better that I saw was really valuable. And so I was, I came into this organization um, thinking that, you know, I could apply some of those business skills, but also noticing how things were not always the same as a business, even though they might have sounded so. For, so, for example, uh, some of the decisions we make, you know, we're, we're making them because we have a value around inclusivity. You know, we want to, we don't want to leave anyone out because whatever cause you're working on, wherever you fall on the side of an issue, you're doing something important for your local community. Uh, and whether we can say that there, you know, there are enough organizations, uh, you know, whether health clinics are more important than, you know, volunteer firemen or whatever the, the case may be, um, we're not making that choice really. We're just, you know, trying to support more broadly. So, so it, it you're not always making your decisions based on pure economic returns, but at the same time, you need to be sustainable because if you go away, uh, 
overnight from not being sustainable, you don't help anybody, obviously. So just kind of always balancing those those two views has been um, challenging and sometimes results in decisions that might not appear totally rational with one lens or the other, but yet collectively, you know, are, are the right kind of decisions to make. And we have always, we have never tried to be 100% sustained by our earned revenues from our social enterprise, although we have been close to it. We've been, you know, 88 to 90% of our budgets uh, always been covered by that. Um, but we also um, very much seek grants because we think that those are good investments that uh, either foundations or corporations are willing to make that let us um, add functionality that both meets objectives that, that those funders may have, but that also um, can be leveraged to, um, you know, strengthen the model across everybody we're serving. So we try to build things as a, as a capability that underlies the work we do and allows us to bring new value and new impact and new services, um, but obviously always meeting the, the confines of the, the grants and, and the, you know, requests that are coming from, from uh, the people that are funding it. And, and that balance is, is not always easy to navigate because we, we want to maintain, um, you know, objectivity and independence and be a, a platform of choice. And we can't, often technology companies are, are quite, um, you know, they, they love their own technology and they want it to appear the best. And they, they sometimes, in a, in a competitive landscape, see yeah. themselves, you know, competing with others, right? And we're in a cooperative landscape. Yeah, yes. Um, and, and so we, we sometimes uh, are a little bit navigating the middle of that and also uh, encouraging people to, you know, put their philanthropic or charitable hat on for the benefit of the sector. And, you know, I'm happy to say that most of these people uh, – that we work with are in the part of the corporation who really see that and share those values. Um, but it can be challenging nevertheless to kind of give everybody the placement that they'd like and the visibility and, uh, and also support the, what they want to do and make it sustainable. Yes. Yes. That's, that's interesting. You, you mentioned the range of technologies. I just wonder how well do the NGOs uh, in general understand, um, you know, their needs understand on the one hand, their needs, I guess on the other stand, the potentials of the technologies that are there. Um, you talked a little bit about this question of skills, but you may find an organization that may perceive it's got, you know, one set of problems, but actually if you looked at that, you realize, you, you, you could see that, you know, potentially they could really transform the way they operate by incorporating various technologies and so forth. How, 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 what's your experience? How well do, do, do NGOs understand that their, their needs and how does that you know, happen in terms of them clarifying. And, and I guess in one sense, it's, it's also potentially endless. You know, t new technologies are coming out and, and, and there are already, you know, uh, many, many very powerful technologies. How, how do you know where to draw the line in, in terms of, you know, what other super technology, you know, might have a, you know, magical impact, if you get me? Uh, yes, <laughs> I do. And it, it, all, all true um, parts of the statement there. Um, well, I, I'll go, I'll kind of focus first on your, your uh, question of how well do NGOs understand their needs. Um, I think that NGOs understand their needs extremely well, not their needs for technology, right? But their, what yes. problem are they trying to solve? You know, they understand it better than uh, the rest of us do. And yeah. um, 
you know, I think that the technology companies, you know, understand the power of their technology and kind of what it can do, how it could bring much more value often than, than people are realizing from it. But there's still a pretty big gap between those things, you know, so sometimes what, what happens with the NGOs, I mean, often they don't have professional technology staff. They don't have funding for technology. It's, it's considered sometimes overhead, right, which is, which is a negative thing. Um, but they, they need to have, you know, they often need to uh, meet funder requirements even for reporting or tracking things. Uh, they need to have a website for people to discover them. That's how people find people today, right, to, to help them. So they, they need things that involve managing technology, but yet it's very under-resourced typically. Um, so uh, sometimes they have volunteers, they have board members, you know, sometimes they can find someone locally who, who is a consultant and works with nonprofits, but that, that's still a very kind of spotty landscape. Uh, so what we, we have a division in TechSoup um, called Caravan Studios, and what Caravan really specializes in is kind of a design thinking methodology that works with cohorts and groups. Like we have something called the Safe Shelter Collaborative, um, where we're working with people who are, you know, either in uh, domestic violence or human trafficking areas um, who are, are really talking together about their needs, their problems. What are they trying to solve? And in this case, you know, getting shelter uh, more quickly to people when they need to have, have a reason for you know, needing shelter. And technology can help solve that, but we don't want to turn all those organizations into a technology organization who is going to know how to, you know, design that, develop it, maintain it, and, and offer it. Um, so what we're doing is really helping them talk about the need they have and then helping to shape it into something that an application can be useful to and developing and offering those, those kinds of applications. So this is another you know, future direction that we intend to build on. But I, but I talk about that just to say that part of the issue with organizations is to really help them translate those needs into um, nonprofit-specific solutions that will be useful to them. And I think that, that that gap in between them understanding their needs but then understanding what technology can do for them is is a, an area where we can bring a lot of value and do bring value today, but it but it's it's also after that it's about adoption and implementation and that's also the difficult part. You know that the it's it's hard enough to get the resources and know what you want to do, but then even once you know that a particular technology can help you, um, you know it's not so easy to. Uh, to actually implement it successfully and to get your users to understand it and to have your data in order so that when you actually have this new dashboard you can look at with results, whether it's, you know, from your financial system or, or something like Power BI or, or Tableau software. I mean, you need that data underneath to really have all the elements that you require. And in doing that work across an organization, particularly when you've got people who have programmatic information in Excel spreadsheets or on paper, uh, you know, that, that's a significant piece of work as well. So that's not solved by the software or hardware. It has to be solved by solutions and services and uh, scalable ways of helping people um, be supported in that work. Yes. 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 Um, can you, I, I mean, I'd like to talk uh, maybe finally really about the funding, how you've been funded and your, your recent uh, uh, direct public offering and, 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 and questions like that. But I guess just prior to the, before that, uh, can you talk a little bit about w what is the funding environment like 
for uh, these uh, NGOs to, because uh, technology seems to be a um, slightly problematic area in the sense that uh, I guess if you're a foundation, you, you you might be willing to provide money to you know help particular farmers in particular parts of the world and so forth, and you can see the impact of that maybe in a way which with technology can be quite difficult. You know, a platform which supports other users, which you know, it's quite difficult to pin down what the actual impact of that is like uh, the, the, to, to measure that impact. And I have heard this before that. It, technology platforms can be difficult to fund. Yes, I, I, I do. Um, you know, as I kind of said earlier, I don't think it's very easy for organizations to um, get their technology, you know, infrastructure um, funded. Um, I think that it's, it's um, you know, possible for certain kind of programs, obviously, if, you, if you've got a component is, that is, involves technology, there are funders, of course, who will support that. And sometimes, the foundations will support a cohort of their grantees to, um, you know, we've done projects where they say we, we want all of our grantees to be in compliance and here's, could you help us, you know, find some software that will, will support that and, um, and, and work with them to, to bring them all, you know, on board with that and train them. So it, it can, it can get funded in those ways. Um, but I still think that there's a, uh, there's a big difference between a programmatic fix or even, you know, um, the technology company's uh, one set of, of uh, uh, software applications, um, you know, that will, so- they don't solve everything. They're not the solution necessarily. They don't put all pieces in place. And it can be difficult to get that additional funding, you know, to cover the training um, or, or the data work, as I mentioned, to, you know, prepare your data to, to be part of it. And I can understand it from the risk for the funder point of view too, because um, hey, commercial companies spend lots of money on technology and have lots of failures. You know where the the project doesn't really result in in what they wanted to, because hey, it turns out that implementing technology well is difficult, right? It's it's not a, a slam dunk. Um, so I I understand uh, you know why in some ways there isn't more funding specifically for it, but. Um, I really believe that there's uh, so much potential that I hope we can all get a little bit smarter about how we understand the issues and talk to each other about them and position them. And I think that a platform like TechSoup is a a great place to do that. We can help to mitigate some of those risks and we can also help to educate, you know, various parties around it. Um, One of the reasons that we went to this direct public offering funding model um, is because we did not believe that um, even though we continue to be well funded often by uh, the technology companies we work with and um, funders who, who recognize the value of, of having something like TechSoup available uh, as a backbone for the infrastructure of civil society. Um, nevertheless, you know, we, we felt that in order to really um, scale this in a, in a short enough time frame uh, because the needs are now and, and uh, the change that's happening with uh, technology and digital transformation is, is you know, already well underway, um, we thought to go out to a broader community. Um, so some of the funders who already support us are, are supporting this as well, and we're happy to take grants as well as the the uh, debt that that is part of the direct public offering. But we also know that our whole entire scale up to this point has been built in part by these small um, administrative fees, relatively speaking, that nonprofit organizations have chosen to pay by coming here for resources. And so we wanted to offer even the smallest investors who are working 
for social impact directly themselves and seeing the benefits of what technology could do. We wanted to offer them the opportunity to have a stake in, in TechSoup uh, to uh, provide a, a, a loan that would get paid back with interest. So kind of pay it forward and give us the chance to build the services they need and also uh, give them a high level of engagement to provide direction and guide us. Yeah. And how's the campaign going? Where are you with it now? Um, it, it's going quite well. Um, we have a sort of an overall umbrella campaign of growth capital. Uh, and then within it, the, the direct public offering is a part of that. Um, and within the offering, uh, the, the overall campaign has a goal of $11.5 million. Um, you know, we, we launched in um, November and we, we already have... Um, raised overall um, <clears throat> more than $5 million. Within the direct, uh, uh, the DPO, the direct public offering itself, um, we've got investments from you know, $50 to uh, a million. Um, we've got three different categories of investors. So we've got the, the, the smaller as a minimum, as low as $50, and we've got the uh, kind of intermediary uh, level of investors and then the, the more significant with a minimum of 50,000. Um, we're happy to have all of them and I'm happy to say we've so far seen a mix of it. And we've had a, a very, um, I think a very good response from people who feel more engaged by that process and that opportunity to invest in us. Um, and we're really just getting going. <clears throat> it was kind of difficult to launch um, pre the holiday season. And yes, I'm yes. Happy, <laughs> I'm happy to say that we, uh, you know, even though it was a little later launch than we would have hoped for, but that's kind of how things happen when, when they're coming together at the end, uh, we still decided to go forth with it. And, and so we've, we've done uh, very well for a, a very strong start. And now we'll, we'll get into, um, you know, a season of a different kind of engagement to, um, to get more investors involved. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Can you tell me about the direct public offering structure and I think you say generally about that? Yeah, you mean what the three tiers of investors are and, and the specifics there? Yes. Uh, yeah, so we've got, um, there are three notes that are part of it. So uh, as, as I'm sure um, you and your, your listeners would be aware, um, nonprofit organizations don't have the concept of equity. So, you know, there's no, no possibility of making an equity investment. So what you can take is, a, is debt financing, uh, a loan of sorts. And so the uh, three levels that we've offered um, are a, uh, risk capital note, which is a fifty thousand dollar minimum with a five year term and five percent interest, and you know that's open and opened to accredited investors and institutions. Um, there, the middle tier is a patient capital note, which is a twenty five hundred dollar minimum, five year term, and three and a half percent interest, and that's that's open to both accredited and non accredited investors. Um, there are different rules, I think, that apply to both. And then the the uh, last tier is the community capital note with a $50 minimum, five-year term, 2% interest. And that's really open to anyone. Uh, that, that might be for someone, as I say, who works every day at the community level um, for social impact and who uh, probably hasn't been thought of historically as an impact investor. But um, we know they're the people who actually understand the problems that they're trying to solve and, and also understand how much of a difference technology could make. So they have a, a real stake in, in the success of TechSoup and, you know, we'd like them to have a voice as well. And of course, we also welcome the investors at the higher levels. But those are the three parts of the, the direct public offering. 
Very interesting. Very. And 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 how, how do you uh, how will the money be used? You talk generally about it, but do you do you, do you have uh, some specific plans? And I guess, in a sense, what is your vision for the growth of 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 TechSoup over the coming years? So our our uh, vision for the uh, we we do have very specific ideas. So maybe I'll I'll speak to that first. We've got a, a very solid strategic plan and financial model that um, our plan focuses on five initiatives, and that's that's what the um, investment will be used for. Uh, and the the first of those is really the next generation of this um, NGO technology marketplace uh, that we have, but one that allows us to really diversify offers, uh, add a lot of services and um, solutions, and sometimes <coughs> nonprofit-specific solutions on top of sort of the general catalog of software and hardware that we have, but continue to expand that and just make it generally easy for anyone to give and get through that platform uh, that, that is you know, obviously part of the, the social benefit universe. Um, the, the second area is really taking the, the database that we have uh, and the process we have for validation of organizations and their structures, uh, we've used that to build another service called uh, NGO Source, which is really helping U.S. cash grant makers uh, make it easier for nonprofit organizations outside the U.S. to um, be equivalent, you know, uh, to a U.S.-based organization and receive a cash grant. So we're distributing resources that way, and also through APIs. We, we can offer that validation service to anyone uh, like we do for Google, for nonprofits program or for uh, Airbnb that I mentioned earlier or Avis. The, these are all um, people who are doing something special for charities on their websites. TechSoup's APIs and data and process behind it is uh, making it possible for them to do that in order to know who to connect with and that they're connecting with uh, eligible organizations. So they're willing to do uh, more and special offers that way. Um, so we're, if you have a registration as a, as a nonprofit in the TechSoup universe, you're then, you know, you, you can take advantage of that much broader set of resources, not only what you're finding here, you know, in, in our catalog. So those are kind of two primary initiatives. And that the third initiative is our whole apps for good area where I mentioned the Caravan Studios work uh, and the, the working with cohorts and, and communities to, um, communities of practice, I should say, to um, determine where they've got some common needs that can be solved with technology and, and a shared solution um, that can help them be more effective and maybe even understand with the power of something like cloud computing and a common data model behind it, uh, be able to share aggregate information so they, they have a better idea of how effective they're being or that outsiders have a better idea in aggregate of how effective uh, say all of the addiction services. Uh, we have a, our Irish partner, which is an organization called Enclude, has been doing this very effectively in, in Ireland where they're, they have one single application with a common data model that many agencies are using. And so if you look from in aggregate, you get a better sense of just how impactful um, those, those agencies are able to be collectively for that social issue of people recovering from addiction. Um, Fascinating. So we want to expand that area of our work. So those are kind of the three programmatic areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I and 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 I guess measuring impact is important. Uh, maybe finally, and uh, over over the life of TechSoup, what are the best ways of measuring the overall scale of impact you've had? 
Well, part of what we look at is, you know, obviously how many organizations we're reaching, but also um, the level of resources that we're able to distribute. And um, we've distributed to date um, more than $11.5 billion worth of resources if you look at it at a retail value. And um, we expect to, uh, for every $100 invested in this growth capital campaign, we expect to um, expand resources by 47,000 to the sector. So it's, it's a pretty high leveraged investment. Um, we also look at impact, of course, from a uh, more specific with particular organizations. You know, what have they been able to do with it? Uh, and it is, it is a somewhat indirect link at times, but, um, you know, if you follow as, as we do, we have long relationships with these nonprofit organizations, you can often see where uh, there's an organization, for example, that I often use uh, as an example called the William Merritt Center for the Disabled in um, Leeds in the UK, who um, got originally a uh, through our, our uh, the TechSoup partner in the UK, uh, which is an organization called Technology Trust, they got a donation of Autodesk and some pro bono time and used it to design a center that would allow disabled people in their community to come and test out equipment, like come and sit in an airline seat with the, these devices, the assistive devices, so that you can figure out whether you can do a trip and, how, and what would be involved with it and how to make yourself comfortable, for example. And they've got that for... Um, pretty much, you know, kitchen equipment and any kind of uh, special equipment. And, you know, I've just followed them over the years and they have, you know, now they have a new building with a full center with many rooms showing and yes, is this, is this technology the only thing that's made them impactful? No, they're, they're, they're good ideas and hard work and relationship with the community and so forth and understanding of the issues uh, are what's made them successful. But it's, it's also interesting how that, that you can see that that kernel has been built on and created a capacity for them to deliver much more impact to their community. That's fascinating. I mean, I guess the multiplier. So what you're saying is that for the hundred dollar investment, you're talking about whatever, 47 or so a thousand, that's additional resources to the nonprofit sector. But that in turn, turn will have a very significant multiplier effect on the actual impact across the sector. That's right. And that, that's what's so you know, interesting about impact. It's, uh, everyone would like it to be measured in a very quantitative way. And there, there are some quantitative metrics, but you know, actually impact is something, as we know, that you see over time and, and you know, things are connected. You know, and so looking for those, that, those good results and, and uh, impact to the end beneficiary um, also has something to do with the strength of the organization itself and its infrastructure to do the support. Um, and so, so yes, it's a, I think there is another multiplier effect that may be difficult to put a quantitative number on, but you certainly see it and feel it if you get the opportunity to go and sit with these organizations. Fascinating. That's a great story and, and, and great work you're doing. And I wish you the very best of success, Rebecca, with the, your funding campaign at the moment, your growth funding and uh, into the future with TechSoup. And thank you so much for joining me today and sharing the great work you're doing. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneur podcast. I hope you found this interview inspiring. Please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.